At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. It is hour number two of the look ahead right here on VSN, the sports betting network. We've got a tremendous hour for you coming up as I'll be giving you guys my DK Nation pick in terms of what we've got in the MLB for Thursday and about two to three minutes, so we're going to have some fun there. Matt Landis, he does a great job taking a look at the NFL. He does the Props and Hops podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get your podcast. He's going to be joining me in 45 minutes. We're going to continue the NFL discussion with him as we want to talking a bit of NFL in the last hour with Joe Fan. A big thanks, by the way, to him. Does the win to bet or the bet to win podcast, I should say, wherever you find your podcast. Does an amazing job there. A big thanks to him for joining me on the desk the last two segments and then in about 15 or so minutes, Charlie Destruco, he does a great job over there at the Action Network. He is going to be joining me as well. So we've got a lot of fun coming up for this hour. And how about if we wind up locking in with regards to what we've got in the DK Nation article for this Thursday. We wind up going to Dodgers versus Rockies. 9 to 5, 9 of 6 on the betting board. The Rockies are going to be at home with Jose Urania taking the mound for them. And Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Throwing on this game, it is a whopper of 12. We're seeing a little bit of juice starting to come in on the under, but you're still able to find it anywhere between about a minus 110 to a minus 115. And Dodgers, sizable favorites. Anywhere between minus $2 and minus 210. Going to be getting the Rockies anywhere between about a plus 175 to a plus 185. I do think that we have perhaps went a little bit too far in terms of the love for Jose Urania. He's had a couple of nice starts, but I want him needing at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot there. And with the Dodgers, this is a case in which you either want to be taking a look at the run line of the Dodgers or the money line of the underdog because with the LA Dodgers, they have now won 65 games this year, all but seven they have won by multiple runs. They have been a run line machine. If you've been betting them straight up on the money line, you're up, depending upon your closing numbers, right around like 45 bucks this season. So, I mean, despite the fact that they are 65 and 32, you're pretty much breaking even on the money line. On the run line, those losses like we wound up seeing taken against the Washington Nationals where they were north of $2 instead of losing like $250. You instead lost like $125 or $130 if you're a standard $100 unit better. Now, obviously, that still winds up stinging when you wind up losing money on a bet, but to be able to cut those losses in half and still wind up getting the gains, you know what? That's a good deal right there, but... That said, in terms of what I'm going to be taking in terms of the DK Nation pick, that would be on the under. We've just went a little bit too far here on this total. 
I felt like the total should have been relatively high. I felt like it should have been in the double digits, and no doubt Coors Field is always going to warrant the highest totals because, well, it's like playing on the moon in terms of the way that the ball winds up flying. You wind up having a big, giant outfield out there, so once the balls wind up getting down, but semi-total at 10.9, and with the Colorado Rockies, they're going to be going up against a Dodgers bunch that they are the best team in the big leagues in terms of road ERA, a 287, and the Dodgers have already played a trio of games at Coors Field, and they've been able to do a relatively solid job when they've been in Coors Field, allowing four runs or fewer in two out of those three games. And as a matter of fact, this season, seven out of the nine games that the Rockies have played against the LA Dodgers, they've been held to four runs or fewer. Now, when it comes to the LA Dodgers, they're going to have Tyler Anderson on the mound, who got a 10-1 record, 279 ERA, and the big thing for him, he's got 1.7 walks per nine innings, and he's got more experience out there pitching in this ballpark than darn near anyone else on the field because Tyler Anderson began his career with the Colorado Rockies. In his first start back with the LA Dodgers going up against Colorado, he did wind up allowing four runs in six innings. That's a game that wound up landing 4-0. So unless we wound up taking an alternate total of under three and a half, you were able to get there on that one very easily in terms of that under. But for Anderson, you take a look at his career when he's been both with the Colorado Rockies and with other teams because he's been a relatively well-traveled gentleman. He's made 44 career pitching appearances, 42 for starts, 4-1-4 ERA, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. He's been relatively solid throughout his career when he's had to pitch in Coors. And then you take a look at Jose Urania on the other side. He has made four starts as far for the Colorado Rockies. He has allowed two runs or fewer in three of them. Overall, it's a three ERA and has already faced off against the Dodgers. As a matter of fact, his Rockies debut wanted coming against the Dodgers. Six and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. Now, that was a game that was in Los Angeles, but still did a very good job of being able to stymie the LA Dodgers. And it's been a Dodgers team that they've been able to pick it up a little bit more with their offense. You've got Mookie Betts, who's been able to go deep 22 times at the leadoff spot, hitting between a 265 to a 270. And then you've got Freddie Freeman, along Trey Turner, hitting above 300. These two guys, along with Will Smith, all between 15 and 16 home runs thus far this season with Smith. He's been able to give you a 350 on base. But you do have guys at the bottom of the fold. I'm looking at you, Cody Bellinger, along with Max Muncy, hitting below a 215 for this bunch. And then for the Colorado Rockies, no doubt this is a team that they've got the biggest home and road splits in terms of their offense in the big league. Says they're getting right around 1.2 home runs per game at home rather than 0.6 when they are on the road. And their runs per game winds up jumping by about two and a half runs when they are at home. So obviously it is a case in which that is going to be a little bit tough for them. But with the Dodgers, they also back up Tyler Anderson with a relatively solid bullpen. A 336 bullpen area of the Dodgers that ranks sixth in the league. And then getting back to Jose Reina, I was mentioning the fact that his first start when he was with the Colorado Rockies on a coming against the Dodgers, really his only bad start this season has come against the Milwaukee Brewers. And a little bit of a reason why that might have been is because he actually began the season with the Milwaukee Brewers as a long reliever. So all the guys wound up having intel on him against teams in which have not had intel on Jose Reina. He has given up three runs over the course of 18 and two-thirds innings in his other starts. So he has been relatively dominant now with the Colorado Rockies. Not a great bullpen to say the least. They're in the bottom five in terms of ERA, but they do have guys that thrive a little bit better at home. Some like a Lucas Gilbreth, for instance. He's got a six ERA on the road. That drops to a sub-two ERA at home. Daniel Bard has been absolutely masterful for this team. You don't want to be trusting in someone like a Carlos Estevez. Guys like that, it's been a little bit rough, but... I do think that this is going to be a relatively lower scoring game now. Second time around, I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to get to Urania. I want to blank it out with the bullpen. 
Dodgers bullpen, it's been relatively solid, especially with the lesser-known guys. Evan Phillips along Caleb Ferguson. You're able to throw in there even Yancey Almonte, another former Colorado Rocky. These guys all have a sub-2 ERA. It's been guys like Craig Kimbrough and company have not necessarily been so strong. So with the DK and H pick, I'm going to be writing up the under. I felt like this total should have been a full run lower, so that's why I wound up siding with that. And for the Dodgers, going to be taking a look at them on the run line. There's just not a lot of value with them on the money line, but being able to either lay a run and half with them or take a relatively nice underdog price, that has been working out for me quite well. So we're going to be looking in that neighborhood as well. And then how about if we wind up going to the American League? We've been doing a good job of being able to cover these National League games. So how about if we wind up going to the flip side and we wind up going Guardians versus Red Sox. This is 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board. It's going to be Tristan McKenzie who winds up getting the start for the Red Sox. And then on the flip side for the Boston Red Sox, Cutter Crawford is going to be making the start. Got a total of nine. And the Cleveland Guardians, they're anywhere between about a minus 111 to a minus 115 favorite. Anywhere between minus 105 and plus 104 is going to be your price on Boston. And I just can't get behind Boston in this spot. It has been a no good, very bad Really, really cataclysmically awful run of it for them ever since the All-Star break. They have won just one game since the break. And Cutter Crawford, not a guy that you necessarily want to be relying upon. Three runs or more given up in three out of his last five starts. Someone who's been posting up right around a 450 ERA. And the big thing for Cutter Crawford is that you just don't have any idea if he's going to be able to lend a lot of length as well as he's been a guy that has been used in a wide variety of ways this season. He was used a little bit out of the bullpen as a bit more of a long guy. He wound up being at the AAA level for quite a bit this season. Now he's getting starts for this team, and when Cutter Crawford is giving you starts, you know that it's not necessarily going too well for your organization, and has to go up against someone in Tristan McKenzie, who ever since he wound up getting sent down to the minor leagues last season, he has been very masterful in terms of his command, right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. His bugaboo has been the home run ball. He's giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. That balloons a little bit north of two when he is on the road, but that said, his command has been relatively pinpoint. He's been able to get right around eight after nine strikeouts for nine innings on the road. His ERA winds up going up a tad rather than at home, but his opponent's batting average on the road is below the Mendoza line of 200. So he's been able to do a nice job of being relatively shorthanded on that side of things. And for Boston, losing Rafael Devers, just really bad for this offense. He had been really leading the team in home runs this season. You have a Red Sox team that now you don't have anyone with really north of nine home runs. In this starting lineup, you do have J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogars. A pair of guys are hitting right around at 295 or greater. And then you do have Rob Arvsider. He's seen a limited amount of at-bats, but he's been able to 300 as well. But you take a look at this Cleveland Guardians lineup and got a lot of guys who have been able to do an amazing job of being a reach base for the team. As Josh Naylor, you're able to throw in there a little bit of a younger outfielder as well. And Nolan Jones, Andre Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, Amit Rosario, all these guys are hitting at least a 279 for the team. And Jose Ramirez, he has been the RBI guy for the team. He is currently third in the big leagues in terms of RBIs. 19 home runs thus far this season. Josh Naylor has been able to go deep 14 times as well. Guardians have been eluded a little bit by the deep ball this season, but two-thirds of their home runs this season have actually come on the road. It's just been a case in which they have not been able to go deep at home for the Boston Red Sox. Bullpen is going straight down the toilet bowl right now. Over the last 40 days, they've got a bottom five bullpen in terms of ERA. Eric Hauser-Sarmora is going to be available for this game. And got to figure that even though you want to pitching yesterday, Tanner Hoke, there's a chance that he could wind up coming out of the bullpen as well. But with all the bad starts that the Boston Red Sox have been getting, it's been taxing this bullpen. And on top of that, the bullpen wasn't necessarily too great to start with. The things were so bad with Ansel Robles that they wound up having to DFA him. And for the Cleveland Guardians, 
been a little bit of an up and down bullpen of their own, but James Karinchek is now back after he was a little bit injured. Emmanuel Classe did wind up having to come out of the bullpen yesterday, but that said, you still have someone like a Trevor Steven. He's been able to do a solid job being able to provide a sub 3-5 ERA. Nick Sandlin is someone I do like for this Cleveland Guardians bunch as well, and with Cleveland in general, I think that they're a little bit undervalued out there in the futures market a lot of places, and you wind up having them right around 4-1 to one to be able to win the American Lake Central. I think that you got a whole heck of a lot more value there than on either the Twins or the White Sox, especially the White Sox. We want to blame that out with Joe Fan in our number one. Uh, I'm not necessarily too bullish on them, so going to be taking a look at the Guardians in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at just a wide variety of betting markets as Chris Fisterko, he does a great job with the Action Network. He joins me next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older, terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As always, please do drink responsibly as we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and Charlie DeCirco is doing great work over there at the Action Network. He, much like myself, loves the game of baseball. And Charlie, it's great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on. I, I'm excited to talk about baseball on the overnight slate. Love to love to be here. Thank you again. I am as well. And before we wind up diving into some games that we're going to be seeing on Thursday, how about if we wind up taking a little little bit of a look at one of your futures positions as I know that there's a lot of people talking about whether or not it should be Aaron Judge or Shoei Otani who winds up winning American League MVP. I know that you've got a little bit of a possession on Jordan Alvarez. Take me through this one because I think that it lost in all the conversation of Aaron Judge and Shoei Otani. Jordan Alvarez, my goodness, the season that he's putting up, it's been really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people need to take Jordan Alvarez seriously. I mean, his numbers are just barely behind Aaron Judge. And when you look at his advanced metrics, he's just as good, if not better than him in all the significant categories, hard hit rate, barrel rate. He's more disciplined than him at the plate, strikes out less, walks more. Uh, I mean, he's catching up to Judge in the home run race. The second half, he hasn't missed a beat. 
And you never know with Aaron Judge. I think the only difference right now and why Judge is ahead of him so much is because uh, he had 80 less plate appearances because Jordan had a little injured list stint. But I think Jordan Alvarez, with the numbers that he's putting up, he's putting up video game numbers like Judge. And I think throughout the season, he should be able to catch up. And, of course, you also look at Shohei Otani a little bit. I think he's going to die down a bit over the second half, especially uh, with his pitching. That's the moneymaker for him. And, you know, we haven't seen him pitch a full season. And usually pitchers that haven't been able to do that, their work, where workload leads to a dip in numbers. So I think Jordan Alvarez at 11-1 to is a great bet. He's putting up video game numbers, as I said before, and he's just unbelievable. And I think bigger than all this, taking a look away from the statistics and things like that, I just feel like voter fatigue is going to wind up hurting Shoya Otani as well. And a lot of guys that even if Shoya Otani has an amazing second half of the season, even if he doesn't wind up breaking down in terms of his pitching, I think that it's just one of those cases in which there's going to be a lot of voters being like, how do I wind up voting for a guy whose Angels team wound up going straight down the tubes after they were 10 games above 500? And I think the big key for Jordan Alvarez might be just having some of these shall we say, big moments, maybe like a few walk-off homers. And I think that that's ultimately what winds up deciding this thing because even though the voters, no question, they're looking at these statistics, we know that some of these people, you just wind up taking the human element into things and they just like big flashy things. Right, definitely. I think that the Astros, like you said, they're going to be in that race for the number one seed the entire time in the American League with the Yankees. We saw what Jordan Alvarez did when he returned to start the second half against the Yankees already. And the Astros looked pretty good, and I think, at least to say the least, and obviously they slumped a little bit against the Athletics, but as long as Alvarez keeps producing and the Astros keep on producing, I think he's going to have his name in there the entire time throughout. And with the numbers that he's putting up, I think that he's going to be able to compete with Aaron Judge. You never know what's going to happen with the Yankees and Aaron Judge and health reasons and all that for both guys. But as long as they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be at the end of the year. Their numbers are going to be pretty identical. Maybe a few home runs less just because Jordan had those 80 less plate appearances. Yep, I do think that that is going to be something that is going to be very important to take a look at. And ironically enough, we're talking about the Houston Astros. And I know that one of your positions for Thursday is in terms of the Seattle Mariners and Houston Astros game. And right now we're seeing the total at eight and We've seen quite a bit of a move on this line, and I do agree with it. The Astros, they opened up at a minus 160. Now you're finding it anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 140. Mariners in the neighborhood about a plus 120 to a plus 128. What's your position on this one? Because we are seeing the Astros coming off of a very rare sweep at the hands of the Oakland A's, and the Seattle Mariners come in with a little bit of momentum, being able to get a few wins against the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think I lean the Mariners in this matchup, but the position that I already have locked in is the over of eight runs in this matchup. I think Logan Gilbert, yes, he's been great with a 277 ERA, but expected indicators are about a run, run and a half higher for him. And his hard hit rate is 46.7%, bottom six of all pitchers. So players are hitting him hard. They just haven't really made him pay thus far. And he's, I mean, he's not getting barreled right now, but he just faced the Astros. He gave up two runs over six innings on eight strikeouts. It's easy to be like, well, he's going to do the same thing again. But I think the Astros will get their bats going. He struck out eight of them, too. And this is a Astros team that is third. They strike out the third least in all of baseball. So I just think this offense is extremely talented. I'm putting away the athletics games aside. That's what you got to do in baseball, short-term memory. And also opposing uh, Gilbert, Jose Urquidy. Not the best pitcher, like you said earlier, 
Uh, he is probably the worst pitcher in this Astros rotation. His XERA about a run higher also. His barrel rate in 10%. The Mariners, top 10 in WRC+. plus. The Astros, they're really good offensively. Fourth in WRC+, plus, fourth in isolated power. I just see the ball flying around the park on Thursday night, and I think eight runs should be cleared. Even if we get a 4-4 tie, that means it's automatically going to go to that nine. So I like the position at eight here. Yep, I agree with you there. I'm personally taking a look at the over. I already fired in on the Seattle Mariners myself, so we're pretty much in lockstep on that one. These have been some of the games that have been trickiest to handicap. These Blue Jays home games, because as we know, there have been some guys that have been ruled out due to the vaccine mandate out there in the country of Canada. And hey, we did wind up seeing a underdog in the St. Louis Cardinals, despite the fact that they didn't have their top two hitters. They got the job done on Wednesday, and we're going to be seeing another underdog in this case as the Tigers... Right now, they're finding themselves in that neighborhood about a plus 185 to a plus 190 underdog, depending upon where you look. And total, it is pretty much 8.5 across the board. I'm seeing a straight 9 out there as well, but mostly 8.5. Where do you wind up standing on this one? Because I do feel like these games are a little bit tricky when you wind up having these guys that are ruled out due to the COVID mandate, or, yep, the COVID mandate. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like the Tigers going to be without any really big pieces in this one. And when it comes to Yusei Kikuchi, is going to be going on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays. Less than great is the about nicest thing that I can say about him <laughs> to this point. Yeah, it, it is fade Yusei Kikuchi day. He's returning from the injured list, and that means that I'm going to be betting on the Detroit Tigers. He has no reason to be this big of a favorite. The Tigers, I know their offense isn't that great. Honestly, right? They put up the least runs per game. But against left-handers, they actually have a 273 average. They're 17th in weighted on base average against lefties. Their numbers are abysmal against right-handers, but that's not to concern. You say Kikuchi, as you mentioned earlier, 5-1-2 ERA. His ex-ERA is actually 6-2-6. He's in the bottom 1% of pitchers in hard hit rate and barrel rate. He walks a ton of batters, and until I see otherwise, and they said that he changed his throwing program to create a better athletic arm motion, I'm going to be fading him until he proves me otherwise. So I love the Tigers in this matchup. I think that at plus, I got him at 195, 190, that area. I like him all the way down to about like 170, 175. They're completely underrated against Kikuchi. And then the other angle, the over, I think that their Tigers are going to get to Kikuchi. And we all know how potent this Blue Jays offense can be. I think the runs could be scoring. Tyler Alexander only will pitch about two to three innings. He'll probably only face the the Blue Jays one time through the order. But I think the Tigers have the edge in the bullpen, fourth best ERA, 13th and XFIP over the Blue Jays. So in the in the long run, I think that the over is the play because I think the Tigers win this game probably around like 6-3, 6-4. They get to Kikuchi and the Blue Jays rotation. Or yep, and to your bullpen. point as well, I'm so glad that you point out Tyler Alexander, the fact that he's been used out of the bullpen. And you know what? For the Detroit Tigers, they've done a lot of things wrong this year. The one thing that they've gotten right has been the bullpen thus far this season. So. Right. Good point there. And what else I think is going to be interesting is another game that is right around the same sector in terms of how big the underdog is. That would be Royals and Yankees. And frankly enough, these two teams want to make an exchange apparently just before yeah. this series as Andrew Benatendi now going to be a New York Yankee for this one if things wind up going through. And with the Royals, they're finding themselves relatively unchanged with regards to the line with the news. We might wind up seeing a little bit of movement in the AM, but right now you're finding them between about plus 190, plus $2. Yankees are between minus 220 and minus 225 with Brady Singer going for the Royals and Jamison Tyon going for the Yankees. 
Feels like betting markets have been giving the most love of any of the Royals starters to Brady Singer. Meanwhile, Jamison Tyon, if you bet on him for $100 in every one of his starts, he's actually been one of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues, but certainly hasn't necessarily been so sharp in his most recent few starts. Where, where do you wind up taking a look with this one? Because obviously, big number with the Kansas City Royals, and I do think that it becomes interesting with that Benintendi trade. Yeah, I mean, the money poured in on the Yankees once Benintendi got moved just a little bit up like 10 cents. But I'm on the Royals in this matchup. I think Brady Singer finally living up to that first round potential. His XFIP down all the way at 330, a half run lower than his ERA. He's posting career best in strikeout rate, walk rate, expected batting average. His only concern against the Yankees is his barrel rate because they're the Bronx Bombers. That's where they produce their runs. But I'm one to fade the Yankees. They're the public darling you'll always get money and uh, good value when it comes to fading them. So I'm on them tonight. And Taeyeon, career worst, 268 expected batting average and a 663 ERA over the month of July. And Charlie doing great work over there at the Action Network. Great to be able to get him aboard. Take a look at this MLB slate and we'll continue the MLB chatter on the other side right here on The Look at on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As per usual, please do drink responsibly. As we're back here on The Look Ed with myself, Greg Peterson, big thanks to Charlie DeSterko doing a great job over there at Action Network, providing some great insights on the card for this MLB Thursday. And a little bit on to why he's on Jordan Alvarez to be able to win MVP. And you know what? At 11-1, not a bad value there in my opinion. So great to be able to get Charlie aboard. In about 15 or so minutes, Matt Landis, he does a great job with the Props and Hops podcast, does a great job taking a look at the game of football. We're going to be talking some NFL futures with him. Here in this segment, though, going to be taking a look at some of the games that we didn't touch upon with Charlie for this upcoming MLB Thursday. And let's touch upon one of those guys that he's very much in the MVP hunt himself in the American League. We go 919-920 on the betting board. The Walker Texas Rangers are going to be going on the road. They're going to be facing off against the LA Angels as Shoei Otani is going to be going for the Angels and Spencer Howard on the bump for Texas. Texas, well, they're back to being an underdog. You're going to be finding them right around a plus 192, a little bit north of $2, plus 203 is the highest number that I'm seeing. That's right out here where I sit at Circa and on the Angels. And between minus 220, minus 240 is your price there with 7.5 being your total juice a little bit to the under end with Shoei Otani prior to his last start against the Atlanta Braves where he wound up, truthfully, getting pretty lit up. He wound up giving up six runs in that start. He had given up a combined two earned runs in his previous six starts. He has really been able to do his best this year as a pitcher. Last year, I would say that his best attribute was the fact that he was able to get north of 40 home runs at the plate and was able to do a solid job in that aspect. But this year, it's been a little bit more of him being able to provide with his arm and I do think that Joey Otani honestly has a little bit of value in the Cy Young voting because now I feel like people are wanting to look at him at something other than the MVP award because I think that voter fatigue is something that you want to be taking a look at with that. And now the narrative is just completely different. And 
with voting on or with betting on any of these awards in which it is dependent upon voting, you always want to be taking a look to see what is sort of flashy, what people are talking about in the media. This is really one of the few times as a better that you want to be talk, taking a look at these talking heads because, well, the voters, they're a lot of the folks that they want to coming on your insert big time network here and talking just poetically about, oh, this guy is so good. Oh, this guy is overrated and everything like that. I'm not necessarily much of one for taking a look at this for trying to make bets or anything like that. But when it comes to awards themselves, you know what? That's what it's all about, being able to settle those debate with the votes. And it doesn't matter what your stats are. It only matters what those couple of voters wind up putting on their sheets. So that's always something to take a look at there. But in terms of the game itself, I'm going to be taking a look at a run line here with the LA Angels. Right now, you're finding even money laying a run and a half with the Angels. Other places are a minus 110. And the Angels have been fader roonies recently. As a matter of fact, ever since the beginning of the month of June, they have won fewer than a third of their games. But with the LA Angels, the one guy that has been reliable is Shoya Otani. And I mean, it's just stark. Ever since they wound up getting 11 games above 500, I believe that they were 29 and 18 at the time. In games that Shoya Otani doesn't start, they've won fewer than 25% of them. So, I mean, Shoya Otani has been just pretty much carrying the team at this point. He's got a strikeouts per nine rate that is just below a 13 right now. He has been amazing with that regard, and he's really been able to cut down on the walks as well. Sub two walks per nine innings, and for Spencer Howard, he's been a little bit better since he wound up getting recalled from the minor leagues, but this guy is still a disaster. You can't even make this up. He's got a 7 11 ERA. As we know, 7 11 is always open for your convenience. He's always open to giving up a runs. It has been terrible for him this season. He's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. The command is not great. Second time through the lineup for his career, opponents are hitting well north of a 315 off of him. Spencer Howard is not someone that you're able to trust in. And ever since the Joe Barlow injury for the Texas Rangers bullpen, it has been far from terrific as well. You saw Matt Moore, Brock Burke, a pair of guys that are able to give you an ERA that is sub-2, but we've seen Dennis Santana and Garrett Richards wind up having their seasons go straight down the tubes. Both of these guys are relatively solid relievers for the team until, I'll call it late June, and over the last 30 days, both of these guys posting up ERAs are north of a 6. So that is something that is really going to be hurting them both in this game, and I feel moving forward as well. So that is something that I do think is needing to be taken into account now. With the Texas Rangers, a little bit more balance in terms of the lineup. You do have quite a few guys that will be able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Corey Seager has really been the head of the stake for this team. He's been able to still got 23 home runs thus far this season. He's hitting right around at 245, and you do have him. Adelise Garcia, you're able to throw in there. Marcus Simeon as well. All these guys hitting right around at 245 to a 250, and then Nate Lowe has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting for right around 275. Simeon, after, ever since he wound up having a first 40 or so games of the season, which he had zero home runs, he's been able to get a double-digit amount of homers ever since then. So he's been able to shape up very well with that aspect. But you do take a look at the Texas Rangers lineup as well in terms of guys being able to get on base. You do have Leody Tavares. He's been able to get about a 325 for this bunch. And for the Angels, it has been a little bit dormant for this bunch as You've got Luis Renifo. He's been able to ride around at 260 for the same sub. That has been solid. You do have Taylor Ward, who has not been the same since coming off the injury list, but overall for the season. So that's right around at 375 on base. He's got a double-digit amount of former, so he's still been okay for this team, but certainly has seen a little bit of a fall-off. That is something that is going to be a little bit costly for this LA Angels team. But when it comes to the Angels, I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job 
with Shohei Otani out there on the mound, but I can't trust in this under because with the Angels as well, you've got seventh through ninth inning guys of Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, and Rossio Iglesias. For one, I believe that all three of these guys did wind up pitching in their series finale against the Kansas City Royals. And for two, both of these guys have north of a 370 ERA, so it has not necessarily been the world's most tremendous season for any of them. And with like guys like Jose Quijada and company, they've been some of the best relievers for this LA Angels team and what has been very much a lost season for this team. So I do think that there is quite a bit of value in taking a look at this total over. I wound up setting it a little bit north of a 7.5. And when it comes to Otani and company, I'm going to be willing to take the run line of the LA Angels, just not having any faith in Spencer Hour being able to give much of a start here whatsoever. Let's take a look at another American League game. And we want to touch upon this one a little bit more with Charlie in the last segment. I'll give you guys my thoughts here on 9-13, 9-14 on the banging board. The Blue Jays are going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers with Tyler Alexander going for them. And Yusei Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for the Jays. And the Jays, they're finding themselves rather sizable favorites here. Anywhere between about a minus 204 to a minus 215. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Detroit, it's anywhere between plus 184 and plus 190. Total on this game is 8.5 with the, the juice on the over. And when it comes to the Tigers, this is a spot in which I love being able to take these big underdogs. I just can't do it in this spot now. With the Tigers, they were able to give the they were able to put up some runs against the San Diego Padres in their most recent series. But the big bugaboo with the Detroit Tigers has been this team has been unable to put up runs on the road. As a matter of fact, they're averaging a little bit over 2.6 runs per game on the road. That is on pace to be one of the worst marks that we have seen in a very, very long time. So that is something that I just have a tough time being able to get behind. And with Yusei Kikuchi, I mean, this guy's been bad. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Fielding independent is more like a 6. Not something that you want to be necessarily rolling the dice on too much. But behind him, the bullpen has actually been solid. I think that Yusei Kikuchi, because it's his first start off the injured list, in a weird way, it helps him because I think that he's going to be held back a little bit more. And then you wind up getting into some of these bullpen pieces that have been solid. Adam Simber, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Jordan Romano, all posting up sub-3-2 ERA. So I actually think the fact that he might not wind up going far in this game is actually to the benefit of the Blue Jays. And with the Blue Jays, they've just got this Tigers team completely outgunned. As the Tigers have one guy that's put up at least 10 home runs this season, that's Jamer Candelario with approximately 10 home runs this season. The Tigers team is by far dead last in the big leagues in terms of total home runs as the duo of Aaron Judge and also and also Anthony Rizzo pretty much on par with the amount of home runs that the Detroit Tigers have hit thus far this season. Meanwhile, you have Flagger Jr. on the other side for the Toronto Blue Jays. Ing right around 280. He's been able to give the team 20-plus home runs. You've been able to get some solid performances out of guys like Teoscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirk being able to move the line for Hernandez. He's been able to give this team north of a 300 batting average, but the reason why I do take a look at this total under is because, for one, the Blue Jays' bullpen, as I laid out, they have been significantly better, and we also talked about this with Charlie. The Detroit Tigers' bullpen has been absolutely masterful this season. Tyler Alexander, probably not going to be going more than three, maybe four innings. He is someone that, by trade, has been a starter throughout much of his career, but he has not really thrown more than three innings in quite a few months ever since coming off the injured list. And for the Tigers, this is a bullpen that ranks fourth in the league in terms of ERA over the last 40 days overall for the season. They do rank in the top top five as well. So I do think that that's going to be to their benefit. Guys like Michael Fulmer, Alex Lang, company being able to come in, hold down the four for this team. 
It's going to be nice. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been able to shape up a little bit with their bullpen as well. So looking at an under. And I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, be able to reduce the juice. I'm willing to take pretty much anything south of a minus 115 there. And something else I'm always willing to take is a look at the futures market with Matt Landis. Does a great job with the Props and Ops podcast. He joins me next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for the college or the pro football seasons. As a matter of fact, both of them. Our experts provide profiles for every single team with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guide today and get access to everything that we offer for the entirety of the football season with a VSIN All Access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at vsin.com slash subscribe as we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by Matt Landis. He does a great job being able to host his own podcast, the Props and Ops podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get your podcast. And Matt, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, thanks for having me back. Six weeks from tomorrow, the NFL season kicks off. I feel like on one hand, that means it's time to savor what's left of the offseason. And on the other hand, time to get ready for some football. Glad to be doing just that right here with you right now. Absolutely. It is one of those times in which if you're looking to have a little bit of a party session, you probably want to be doing it within the next few weeks because football season is going to be coming. It's going to be wild. It's going to be insane. And I know that a team that you're going to be taking a look at is the Jacksonville Jaguars. In week number one, they're finding themselves a little bit of an underdog. No doubt when it comes to the futures market, win total is relatively low, things of this nature. But I feel like you're a little bit more bullish than most. Take me through your thought process on the Jacksonville Jaguars and what you've got on them. Yeah, you know, stop me if you've been here before hearing some people who want to sound sharp backing the Jags. I had a division ticket on them last season, knew by about week two or three that that belonged straight in the garbage can. But here I am again. Right now, I specifically like the Jags week one at Washington, plus three and a half against the spread. I'm seeing some plus 170 out there on the money line. I like a split ticket on both of those numbers. And I've got to give a hat tip right off the top to Josiah Clark at Sharp Clark NFL on Twitter and E at the end of Clark. 
I had him on Props and Hops recently, and he has been perhaps the resident Jaguars fan across gambling Twitter. And one of the key factors in this one, Doug Peterson's familiarity with Carson Wentz, of course, both of those being new faces and new places, but those guys know each other quite well. I think Peterson gets the upper hand with some familiarity as he prepares the Jags to defend Carson Wentz and that Washington offense. And another key component to this handicap, some injuries across the board for Washington, star defensive end Chase Young, tight end Logan Thomas, their starting center, all three of these guys coming off of season-ending injuries last year, and they've all dealt with some complications in their recoveries from those injuries. In fact, they're all on the PUP list right now as training camp gets underway. And earlier today, Ron Rivera, with a bit of an alarming quote, saying that Chase Young I believe his words were going to take the most time out of all those guys to get back on the field. And Greg, if Young is out or limited week one, I could easily see this line dropping down to that all-important number of Washington minus three. So I think here we get a bit of a free roll on the injury side of things for Washington. And if we've got Doug Peterson on one sideline, Carson Wentz on the other, I know who I want to back. Give me the Jags. One unit of exposure here. Let's call it eight-tenths of a unit on the Jags plus three and a half against the spread and two tenths of a unit on the money line plus 170. And Matt, you wind up mentioning the familiarity with Carson Wentz as well. How much does it play into your account as well? The fact that the Jags pretty much ended the residency for Carson Wentz out there in in Indianapolis, because as we remember going into the final week of the season, we all thought the Colts were going to be in the playoffs because all they had to do was beat up on the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars who had hired on Urban Meyer, which that, well, that didn't wind up working out for them. But, I mean, the fact that Carson Wentz wound up having his career in Indianapolis pretty much ended by the Jaguars, I feel like they could wind up going one of two ways in terms of a motivational standpoint, but I do think that it also shows that the Jags know exactly how to bottle them up. Yeah, digging into this a bit further, I think of a parallel to baseball where I know you do a lot of good handicapping work. I often think in that sense, familiarity favors the batter. Similarly, in the NFL, I'd say familiarity favors the defense in the sense that whoever's not initiating the action on any given play, whoever needs to be more reactive, if they can better anticipate what's coming their way, I think that can give that side the upper hand. Again, whether it's the offense in baseball or the defense in football, And between the Jags roster, getting the most recent look at defending Carson Wentz, his last game in Indy, plus Doug Peterson's familiarity as the new coach in Jacksonville, I just don't think that's fully priced into this line quite yet. And I expect it to be come week one. And I think that that's such a good way that you wind up playing it out as well, because I always take a look at those pitchers that they wind up going on from a new team. They face off against their old team and Typically, they wind up getting tattooed. So I absolutely love the fact that you wind up bringing that up. And then on top of that, with regards to the Jaguars, looking outside of week one, I know you've got a little bit of a position on Doug Peterson to be able to win coach of the year. As we know, it's one of the toughest markets out there because you're able to take a look anywhere. Nobody's a shorter shot than really like 12 to one. And nobody's a longer shot than 50 to one. So that shows you that there isn't necessarily big differentials to be had there. It shows you that it's a relatively even up market to put it into a simpler term. What makes you just have so much faith in Doug Peterson and him being a relatively solid value at right around 18 to 20 ish to one to be able to win coach of the year? Yeah, I think the the key phrasing you use it a little bit of a shot here. This isn't a big bet, but I do see some value here. And I like this as a way to work around the fact that we've already seen some sharp action recently 
on the Jags to go over their regular season win number, whether that's six or six and a half, depending on the big, a lot of influential money on the over. Also, a lot of that same influential money on the Jags, yes, to make the playoffs. And if a lot of value has gone from those two equations, I think this is a nice alternative way to get in play at a similar concept. And when it comes to Peterson, I think a big key could be what he's shown he can do with quarterbacks. We talked about Carson Wentz in that week one matchup. Well, Peterson got an MVP caliber season out of Wentz in 2017 before Carson Wentz went down with a season-ending injury. Then Peterson proceeded to win the Super Bowl for Philadelphia with Nick Foles under center. So I think he can do a lot with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Plenty of pedigree there. And I think Peterson could be night and day compared to what we saw Urban Meyer do or not do so much of when it comes to Trevor Lawrence's development. And when we look at the Jags division in the lowly AFC South, it's unlikely, but I think it's still somewhat plausible to see a path to double-digit wins in a division title. If the Jags pull that off, I think Peterson is squarely in the mix for Coach of the Year. And if we look at those Jags division odds, 7-1, to one, that's less than 40% of the payout that you'd get for Peterson to win Coach of the Year. And by the way, it's unlikely but still possible that Peterson could win this award if the Jags make the playoffs without winning that AFC South. So overall, I see just enough value to get in play with a small ticket here. Offshore, I'm seeing as good as 25 to 1 available. So PSA with these kind of markets, always shop around for the best of the number. But 18 to 1, widely available at that price or better, I can endorse a small play on Doug Peterson to claim coach of the year. Amen on shopping around for these futures because, I mean, the difference between like 18 to 1 and 25 to 1 that's pretty substantial, even if you wind up only putting down like $10, $15 on it. And also, Travis Etienne coming back for Trevor Lawrence, his college running back. I think that that's going to make a little bit of a difference for them as well. And I know that in terms of the futures market, you're saying out there in the state of Florida, I know that you've got a little bit of position on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw them make news about 24, 48 hours ago with Julio Jones wind up signing with them. Where are you taking a look at with regards to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, it's ironic we're talking about this right now, isn't it? Is the whole state of Florida probably asleep? But I think they can wake up and catch this hour and maybe get some good numbers that might still be available in the morning. I like Tampa Bay to win the NFC at plus 320. Another small ticket here, not as big as you know that Jags split ticket, week one ATS and on the money line. More along the lines of a reduced amount like I have on Peterson to win coach of the year. And here's why I like Tampa to win the NFC, even though plus 320 not as big of a payout as you'll get on most teams to win a conference title. I think the Bucs have made it clear, if we didn't know already, that they are really in win-now mode. This time next week, Tom Brady is going to be 45 years old. And beyond the current form of a guy like Julio Jones or even Kyle Rudolph, who they signed prior to that, I think that the acquisitions of those guys tell us more about Tampa Bay's approach this season. Yes, every team would like to win the Super Bowl in 2023, but not everybody's going to be as willing as Tampa Bay to mortgage the future to get there come February of next year. And I think the Julio acquisition in particular could have some asymmetric impact on the arc of the Tampa Bay season. I expect them to have him on quite the snap count throughout the regular season. They've got to make an emphasis on getting him fresh come playoff time. And when we look at the beginning of the season, surprisingly good news for them Chris Godwin, active at the start of training camp. I think if he's able to hit the ground running this season, that could help Tampa get a strong start out of the gate. That might put them on the inside track for the all-important one seed and the only buy in the NFC. And I'll note, Greg, there's so much variance with this year's Tampa Bay team. 
We touched on Tom Brady, going to be 45 next week. Julio has a lot of hard miles under his belt, a new head coach. This team could fall off a cliff, but the sky is the limit. So I think at plus 320 or better, plenty of value on Tampa to win the NFC. If they win this less than the Angels win without Shohei Otani pitching, (laughs) you could still make a profit. Absolutely, and it's win now for the Buccaneers, and we always win when Matt Landis is on the show. And coming up next, going to talk a little baseball right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 